Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Franz Tapon, and in this episode, I will interview once again Jordan Schimmel, who is the host of the Travel Tribe X podcast. You can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to get it. In this episode, we dive into some of the words of wisdom that he has picked up from over 40 different interviews that he has had on his particular podcast. So it's kind of a meta podcast, a podcast of his podcasts, if you want to think of it that way. Now, if you want to also pick up some sweet rewards for this holiday season, go ahead to my website and you can go to patreon.com slash ftapon and pick up some awesome rewards. I'm just releasing my chapter on South Africa. It took me a long time to write it. I'm in South Africa now and boy, it was a beast. It was crazy to write that chapter. Anyway, let's get into the podcast and... So tell me about hammock versus tent. You've probably done both. Oh, now that you've experienced man. both, tell, tell me your, oh. your takeaways. See, now, now I'm qualified to tell you about it because a month ago before the trip, I would say, oh. so this was a huge dilemma I had before and I was going to bring both. Uh, but the thing is the tent weighs more. It's pretty heavy. So I actually also took a like a like a cycling bike. So it wasn't like one of those mountain bikes. I just took a cycling bike. Uh, and then when I put everything on, this is the thing that's kind of crazy when I do these things. So like I did the same thing I was just telling you earlier. I said, hey, I'm going to ride across Poland. Sounded cool. I told people, I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, well, now I got to do it. And then I like start putting every, all, all my supplies on my bike. And I'm like, this is nuts. What am I doing? Um, and my bike was so heavy. Like it was just like a leaning tower of Pisa. just kept wanting to fall over. So I tried, I did a test run and I was like, everything's falling off. So I had to like eliminate half the things I had. Uh, so it was just basically just uh, warm jacket, warm pants, uh, a couple of like uh, protein bars, and then a hammock. It was really, really simple. Um, and so that's kind of why I brought the hammock. I love the hammock because it's super simple that you can set up anywhere as long as you have like two trees. Or I also found playgrounds is where I would set up as well. Um, so I really, really like that. The only downside of the hammock uh, is the rain. So if you can set up a good tarp system, that would be good. But for me, my tarp system, I ordered it and it was, I guess, a little bit too short. So I remember once in the morning, it, it started raining the first time and uh, it was raining and I was getting wet. But I was so tired that I was like just pretending like I'm not wet and just cocooning <laughs> deeper into the sleeping bag. <laughs> Um, so, so I, I like the hammock. I, I think it's one of my favorite ways, uh, to, I mean, if you set up a hammock on the, if you have lakes, oh my gosh, or anything with a nice view, it's, you can't wake up to a better, better thing. The other downside of the hammock though, is that people would see it and they would think that they didn't think someone was inside of it. And so they would want to jump inside. So this happened the first night. So the first night I'm like riding, I finished by this uh, lake region, I find it and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. It's getting dark, but I'm tired and you go to sleep. And I'm like, there's people in this kind of near this lake region. And so I'm like, hey, I'm just going to set up this hammock. Uh, I'll just have to act like I've done it before because otherwise I'll look like a clown. So I just set it up and uh, people are still walking because it's kind of like a party lake, I guess you would say. And at 2 a.m., I wake up and there's this guy looking inside of it. And he's like, holy shit, someone's in here. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it's these two drunk guys and they wanted to hop in it because uh, it had a nice view of the lake so yeah. this was a thing i learned was that this happened all the times that people didn't realize that it was empty and people would come up to that it was not empty in it. that it was not empty and it was it was me inside of it yeah of course right yeah yeah, yeah. which is so, fine if the if the the person wants to jump in is that blonde girl that you saw. yeah she should have came down with me she said hey screw the bed i'll go rough it with you I'm like, oh fantastic yeah but what so, about so mosquitoes yeah so the 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 hammock has a uh, has a mosquito net so you hop in and you just put the mosquito uh net over and you have no bugs it's perfect and if you okay. do it nice and taut uh it's super comfortable like i i thought i was gonna have like back issues but i felt it was a, such a nice sleep i really really liked it so what about uh, so i highly recommend it but what about the tarp? You said so. You got to put a tarp over it to catch, you know, to to protect you against the rain. What could you have done differently? Got a big, bigger tarp? Yeah, I think I would have got a bigger tarp. I would have practiced a little bit because when it started raining, I was half tired. I didn't even set it up properly. But basically, you can put up a line over the hammock and then kind of put the tarp over, kind of like a little like a little teepee. Um, I got I got the 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 tarp just as long as my body was. But then it kind of the, the 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 hammock stretches out, so the water would kind of still pour in. So that was kind of the mistake I made. Uh, should have got a, definitely a bigger tarp. Uh, but highly recommend the hammock, man. It's just such a great way. It's so light. I mean, they're like this small. So all you need. Oh, the other thing I had was a sleeping bag as well. So sleeping bag, hammock, and you can you can actually sleep anywhere. Actually, I I got inspired by this from our podcast together because you were telling me how you had you you started sleeping in tents, just like in cities, and yeah. you said why not. And then I was, it's kind of interesting how that became such a paradigm shift in my head. Cause I always think, oh, I'm going to city. I have to get an Airbnb or I have to get a booking or I have to get to this. All of a sudden when you have a, you can just sleep anywhere yeah. and no one's going to charge you anything for it. And you can find I get the best spots ever in top of mountains or lakes. It's like, it just changes the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have to thank you for that as well. Cause sure. now it just kind of, I'm like, yeah, I can go anywhere I want. Like why, why would I hold myself back or I have to plan in advance of like, Oh, oh this is booked or not booked, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know that it, it, it's like a security blanket. Like you just know that if all else fails, you know, you've got, a, you've got shelter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's just nice to, to have, and it's, you can just pack into a backpack and go anywhere. I think that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, so I really like that. Yeah. What is your next adventure that you're planning? So uh, I just did the, 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 the cycling trip, which was great. I really would like to do another cycling trip, a longer one uh, throughout Europe. Uh, I think hitting up Italy, Spain, uh, Greece, I think when it gets nice outside, that would be a phenomenal uh, way to see, see, the, see, the, see the, um, those countries. This is another um, so, common theme that you probably picked up from your adventurers that you do a little adventure, you come back and you're like, holy shit, I'm still alive. I can do that mm. again. And you just up the ante every single time. Yeah, exactly. I think once you get a taste of it, uh, like I guess they call it like the travel bug, you just want more and more of it. And I'm always kind of, I think, telling myself, oh, I'm going to settle down, settle down. And if I, like every time I come back, I'm like, no, I just want more. And uh, yeah, it just gets more and more, you know, different experiences, different places, different, uh, you know, levels of growth, things I want to do. Um, so that's one thing also in a theme I, I realize as well is that people get a taste of it and then they'll do something bigger. Um uh, when, when, when they come home. And also you also, I, I think that's really cool. That I realized from my pod, podcast, uh, guests is that there's like a paradigm shift. Like when you come back to your home, you realize you're like, you're like a completely different person, you know, like 
you you realize your, your your mind's been expanded. The experiences have just like kind of put you in a different realm. The people you've met, it's kind of hard to describe. Like every time I come back home, I think I've like I've been in a movie. You know, I was like, oh, that movie that just happened in Korea, or that movie that just happened in Poland, because it's so hard to even describe to people. Um, but you, you you come with a different kind of thinking, a uh, different kind of worldview uh, that I think is is really 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 cool. Uh, and you have and you usually are really grateful that you know you went on this journey. And it's it's very rare that I hear people uh, have you know regret that they did it. It's usually like hey, ninety nine percent of times like dude, that was I can't believe I didn't do that earlier. You know exactly. No, it's so true. What about uh, tell us about your scuba diving experience and what could you what could you learn from that? Yeah, scuba diving is fantastic. Um, so I was when I first started this whole journey. I was gonna start off in Australia. I was gonna. I was actually gonna go to a wedding there because I was friends with these Australians who were here in Chicago, and they said, "Oh, I might. You gotta come to Australia." And at that time, I was a broke college student, and so I said, "Hey, I'll come for your wedding." Um, and so we spent, uh, we, we stayed in contact over the years and uh, one day they call me like, Hey mate, I'm getting married. You promised you'd come. <laughs> so I, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Um, and so I flew out there and before I did, I knew that the Great Barrier Reef was there and I really wanted to scuba dive it. So I took a course here in Chicago, uh, which was a, a there's a great, great first lesson. Uh, terrible mistake. <laughs> if you can, go do it somewhere warm, somewhere beautiful. You get the full experience like in Koh Tao, Thailand, uh, Honduras, any of these places that are tropical. You get the full experience of being there, learning. You have the ocean right there. Like It's just such a much better way to and uh, to learn and get a great experience the course i think is usually about four days if you do intensive course uh three and a half four days um but i did it here it was three weeks man i was like training at the ymca i did my open water dives in the in the uh joliet rock quarry it was dark it was cold it was miserable i hated it i was like this sucks <laughs> and then i went diving in the great barrier reef and i was like okay now i understand why uh why people love this the colors the sharks the marine animals it was fantastic and so what i would do is each uh, year i did another course so the next year i did my advanced course in bali um and then the year after that i did my dive master course in kotao and then i of course eventually became an instructor um so the first thing i would say is if you're going to do diving uh i recommend uh, doing it like a full course somewhere tropical uh as opposed to these colder countries because you're just gonna you're, you're gonna enjoy it more you might you're, you're gonna get you're gonna see how amazing it, it might is. be cheaper too uh, yeah, it's going to be cheaper uh, definitely as well because these are kind of like little factories, especially like in Kotal. They have like 60-plus dive shops. Uh, the whole schedule is kind of split. They've, they've optimized everything to make sure that your experience is incredible. Um, and so I was a little bit jealous of my, I'm always jealous of my students in, in Thailand. I'm like, God, I wish I learned diving this way, you know, uh, as opposed in muddy rock quarries. Uh, the second thing is if you get hooked on diving, I don't think there is a much better experience than doing a dive master course. So I actually had a podcast uh, episode on this is how to get into your dive master, dive master one-on-one with this instructor, Maddie Barks. And uh, I think it's, if you like diving, uh, it's just, you get so immersed to it in it. So it, it depends on where you do yours, but it usually lasts between a month and two months. And, and it's important to pick the right dive shop and the di- right dive um, location where you want to do it uh, because it's going to depend on, you know, if you want to work there, you would want to start making contacts and networking with those dive shops there. But basically what you're doing is you are learning 
intensively the theory of diving. You're learning intensively the marine animals that are there. You're diving almost every single day. And so you are experiencing every kind of situation that can happen to you, whether it is currents, whether it is terrible visibility, whether it's storms, whether it's huge waves, whether it's like losing someone, running out of air, uh, customers running out of air. You kind of go through this whole gambit of different experiences that can happen to you while diving. And so when you finish it, uh, you are basically, you've experienced almost every kind of situation or let's say most of the situations that can happen in diving. And you feel extremely comfortable after that diving. Um, and then after that is the instructors, but the instructor uh, certification is about two weeks. Um, and it's kind of more learning about the teaching uh, aspect of it as opposed to actually learning diving. So if you like diving, the dive master is, I, I recommend to take a one or two months out of your life and just, just, just immerse yourself waking up, you know, at sunrise, going diving, then learning about diving, then going out with your dive master trainees to, for, for food, for drinks. There's also a lot of fun traditions. Have you heard of any of these traditions like, uh, the hundredth dive? No. Oh, so when you have your 100th dive, so I ended on my 100th dive because I wanted to take part in this. Your 100th dive is your naked dive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you might be diving and you're looking and all of a sudden you just see this naked person, naked dude with his dong out. And you're like, oh, that's not what I wanted. That is not what I wanted to see at 7 a.m. Um, <laughs> but then other times it's that blonde girl from Poland who swims by. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's when, you're, that's when you're like, hey, let's go this way. Let's go that way. And, you know, things look bigger in the water, too. So. Exactly, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my 100 dive... Yeah, my 100 dive was a lot of fun. So it was my last dive before I had to leave Thailand. And I, I joined on to this group and I asked them, I said, hey, do you guys mind if I join on? I have to do my 100th dive, uh, but it's going to be naked. And they're like, ah, oh, it's fine. Just stay in the back. <laughs> so, I get, so I get naked. I put my BCD on and, my, and everything. And the captain of the boat comes out. He's just looking and he's just shocked and he just goes back inside. Um, but it was actually also a night dive. And then I, I jumped into the water and I'm behind the, the whole group there. And then I start, my mind starts wandering and I'm like, gosh, there's a lot of like groupers and big fish here. What if they accidentally mistaken yeah. <laughs> my pecker for a little fish yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and then, and then they take it off. And then all of a sudden what was supposed to be a funny 100 dive turns into, yeah. you know, no, no more procreation. So that's one of the traditions I really liked about the dive master. Uh, another one is the snorkel party. So basically when you finish your dive master, um, each dive shop does a different tradition, but it's a huge thing. You've, you just spent a month or two months studying for this thing. And it's kind of like initiation, rite of passage to be becoming a dive master. Um, and so you have different games like guess the fish and blah, blah, blah. But the final thing is they, they do is they put a snorkel on you. So they have a mask on. They have duct tape over the, 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 the lens. And so they have like a uh, nickname for you. Mine was Kim Jung Jordan because I was living in Korea at the time. Um, and then they have a snorkel with a little like uh, attached, say, mini bucket to it. And what they do is the bartender will uh, make the craziest concoction he can think of. So it might be tequila, rum, hot sauce, sliced peaches, whatever it is he can find back there. They put it into a bucket uh, and then you're official ending for your dive master is they, they pour this bucket into your snorkel and you can't breathe out of your nose because it's covered with the with the mask so the only way to breathe is either to drink it all or spew it up and so uh that's kind of a, a way that you you end the uh your dive master there's usually a theme to it as well you all dress up in different kind of clothes so i really i love divers and the dive community are just really creative they just love being in nature they love being together uh it's just a really great uh great 
community to be a part of. I really enjoyed that, that experience. Yeah. I appreciate all the insights because I didn't know much about it. Now for my final question, this is going to be totally changed topics. We're not going to mm. talk about travel here and, and you can take the, you can plead the fifth on this one because it's, it's off topic. But since you lived in South Korea, and you basically spend a lot of time in Poland. I want you to look on the other side of the border. So look at Ukraine mm -hmm. and the situation in Ukraine and mm -hmm. look at the situation in North Korea. Are any of those, do you foresee any of those places changing dramatically? And, and, and how, do, how do you see their future? Is North Korea always going to be the hermit kingdom? Is, is the Ukraine war, how's that going to end? I realize this is totally off topic and maybe not your, but you, you might have spent some time thinking about this. So what's your two cents on well, those two issues? The first thing I thought of is how did I always end up in these conflict zones? <laughs> I recently, I recently started thinking I might be a bad, bad luck omen wherever I go. I mean, I moved to South Korea in 2013 and within months, uh, it was one of the highest tensions between North Korea and South Korea. Just after I moved there, uh, Kim Jong-un at that time said he was going to turn Seoul into a, a city of fire or something like that. And I mean, it was all over the headlines. CNN was saying it's World War III is coming. My family was like, hey... Uh, if you want to go live abroad, travel abroad, just go somewhere else, go to Spain, go somewhere safer. Don't be in South Korea. And I remember freaking out. Um, and I remember I woke up the next day and it was eerily quiet in my apartment. And usually, uh, it's loud. I'm in the middle of, I was living in Gangnam in, in Seoul. I mean, there's always traffic. It was eerily quiet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did a bomb go off? Am I the only one surviving? You know, it was a crazy thought, you know, you could go to bed and you have no idea if you're going to get nuked or not. Uh, and so I, I, it was my first time going through this kind of experience. I mean, you don't go through that in Chicago. I mean, unless you're walking the streets of Southside, but you're not going to, you know, worry about getting bombed. And so I go the next day to my students and I'm like, yo, why are you guys still studying? Why are you guys so excited studying? Aren't you guys freaking out? This, this all might be disappearing soon. And they're like, ah, teacher, that guy's like our crazy old uncle. He's always saying that he's just rattling the storm. He's not going to do anything. Um, so it kind of made me calm down and realize that the Koreans are kind of used to that. They don't really listen to what he says anymore. Um, and it was actually, I actually ended up going to the DMZ at that time, which was pretty cool too, the demilitarized zone, um, because no one wanted to go there at, at during that tension. And so I was like, oh, there's no wait. I might as well go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. My experience then in, uh, in, Poland during the Ukraine war was it was also kind of surreal. I remember I was in class in the morning and someone whispered. I didn't check my phone that morning. Actually, I was running late and someone whispered in my ear saying uh, one of the teachers like, hey, you know, because of the, what happened with the invasion, uh, you know, we're going to not do this and that. And I remember like, what? What invasion? And that's when I found out that uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. And I remember it just completely like shocked me. Like, how could that have happened? Like, no one thought that was going to happen you know, for real. I mean, they're talking about a couple of weeks before. I think Biden was saying it's going to happen, but no one really thought it was going to happen in this day and age. And I remember being kind of like shocked. And I remember just being like, what's going on? But out of probably the most uplifting and positive thing I experienced was the reaction that the polls had in that situation following that. Um, it kind of felt a little bit like post 9-11 in the U.S. Uh, people kind of put politics aside. Uh, there was kind of like, no, hey, should we do this? Should we not do this? Everyone was helping out however they could. Uh, I know people who were opening up their homes. A lot of people who took in refugees, people who were vets were going down to rescue the animals. People, we were running school uh, supplies to send down there. I was going to the train station to donate supplies. Every single person was helping out. Um, and I remember that was like, it was a really like uplifting, it was a terrible situation, of course, but it was uplifting
interesting to see how much the human spirit uh, will come together in order to help people in, in terms of, of crisis and in need. Um, so those are kind of my experiences there. I don't react. I'm not an expert on this, of course. In my personal opinion, I don't think the South Korea, North Korea uh, situation is ever going to change. I think the way it is now is kind of like, in my personal opinion, I could be wrong, but it's kind of fits the status quo for everybody. Uh, China is satisfied because they have a border with South Korea, who is a huge ally of the U.S. So they're fine with North Korea being there. Uh, North Korea, of course, is satisfied having their dictatorship unless the people rebel. But I don't know if that's going to happen. South Korea, um, you know, has huge uh, U.S. aid. Uh, there's tons of soldiers there as well. Uh, so they have a huge alliance with the United States. And the United States gets to send a lot of their soldiers and have a foot in Asia. So it kind of seems like as of now, it doesn't seem like there is a real huge motive for anyone to kind of, you know, rock the boat too much. But I could be wrong. I mean, who knows? Nowadays, it seems like you have no, no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um the situation in Ukraine, uh, I, I have a lot of friends who are Ukrainian, and I think the thing that's kind of gets sad is that, you know, after that situation, I mean, the war is still going on there, you know, uh, and it kind of gets forgotten about as well. People kind of go about their daily lives. I understand, you know, you know, you learn about it, but that situation is still horrible. That situation is still ongoing. Um, and I also don't understand, don't know, know how that's going to end. I mean, I never even saw that happening in the first place. Um, so, I I have no, I have no idea, but the resilience, uh, the fight in the Ukrainians is is really really strong. So I, I can't see them, you know, backing down anytime soon because the the people I've known, the people I've met, the refugees or my friends, I mean, they, they're they're like willing to die for this, and the spirit for them to fight for this is like it's it's super important for them. So I don't see them backing down any anytime soon. While Russia, it just seems like it seems such a you know, if you're a Russian soldier and you're going to fight there, I mean, like, what are you really fighting for, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's kind of my experiences with, with those two situations. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you for all your insights, Jordan, and tell people how they can listen to your podcast. Yeah. So I run the Travel Tribe X podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Uh, each week I find different kinds of adventures, uh, sometimes comedians, different kind of people who are kind of trying to pursue something different, uh, see something different, experience something different. Uh, so yeah, check us out there. Awesome. Jordan, it's a pleasure. I will put a link in the show notes. Thank you again. Thank you, Francis. Keep doing the great work, man. I love, I love, love, your, uh, love your podcast. Thank you. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it, and five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn. Mm-hmm.